that I get to hang out with the coolest people every day and cook really great food and, and everyone like everyone comes to the pass and they have a good time. It's so refreshing to work in a space where you get to do just like just get to come to work and play every day. One of the most interesting conversations I've had about food and the mode of running restaurants and cafes recently was with today's guest. Her name is Laura Bolton. She is the chef at Cassette, a zero waste eatery that's recently opened in Melbourne's inner west suburb of Kensington. Laura, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. It's nice to be here. Before we launch into chatting about cassette, I just want to uh, draw some dots or join some dots because you were the mentor of a previous guest on the podcast, uh, Shristi Godbol, who is um, one of the 10 chefs who was part of the San Pellegrino Young Chef Academy Awards or competition up in Sydney. And yeah, so we hung out a little bit in Sydney while um, you were uh, guiding Shristi through that incredible competition. I was, yeah, we did. We had some nice food, got to hang out, have some good chats. What was that experience like, being a mentor? Um, It was really good for me. It's something that I've always really enjoyed doing um, in my career and over my time as as a chef, Um, especially like um, mentoring um, people like Shristi who are just so determined to do good things in the industry and and have such an incredible passion for for food and 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 for creating dishes that with a similar ethos to me um in terms of the short food miles and using things in as wholly as you possibly can um from i guess nose to tail or root to tip as as you would with vegetables um yeah so for me it's just it's, i find it really rewarding just teaching people the tr- the tricks of the trade and and um getting to hang out with young people who are full of enthusiasm and um excitement for their world because <laughs> they're so young <laughs> I love that. So, Laura, not that not that I would say you are not young yourself, but you do have about two decades in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Just over, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you know the things that attracted you to working with Srishti uh, are some of the same principles that you're applying at Cassette. So, tell us a bit about the, that cafe that you're running. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely loved Trishti's um, ethos around her dish and, and the way that it was all developed. And um, the piece that she wrote about her dish was just so inspiring. And I thought, um, what better way to, to help my friend than to do something cool like that with her and spend some time talking about food and hanging out. So, yeah, for me, it's like, it's absolutely, it was an inspiration to do something like that with her. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, I think it had everyone in the in the kitchen chasing her around the bench trying to get a taste of it before it went up. <laughs> it was. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky to taste it and it was super delicious. Uh, so, Laura, you've just opened Cassette in Kensington. Tell us about this project. Um, well, from a food perspective, um, we're essentially working towards a zero waste model. So we have a zero food waste model, which is fantastic. Um, we do a lot of recycling and repurposing of other things as well, which is helpful in the long term, but we're still on our way um, with with other things outside of food. So um, in terms of a food perspective, we have zero food waste from the kitchen um, in the sense that anything that comes in, we're using as as much of that product as we possibly can 
Um, so um, things like shallots or spring onions that come in, we use from the, all the way from the top. We wash the roots, we dry the roots, they go into our veg powder um, that then we then use to season our food. Um, so any peels that come off vegetables, we don't really like peeling vegetables, but sometimes we, we have to for certain products. So any peels off like onions or carrots or um, shallots, uh, beetroots, that all gets dehydrated and turned into a, a vegetable powder seasoning that we use to then season the foods that we are cooking with. So, if, you know, roasting carrots, they get carrot dust on them or a, an all-purpose vegetable seasoning powder. So, yeah, that's our kind of way of utilising all of the waste or byproduct of foods that come in. And then we do fun things like um, fermenting and pickling and preserving and dehydrating to sort of extend the life cycle of um, the short seasons of things as well. One, one thing that really blew me away is what you do with coffee grounds. Can you talk about that? Oh, yes. Um, so coffee is a pretty tricky one. You have to season the grinders in the morning and make sure that they've got like dial in the grinders so that you get a bit of a waste from the coffee grinds that comes through the machine. And for me, that's... Um, that's a beautiful, such a beautiful product. There's so many beautiful aromats in that. So what we do is we take those those excess coffee grinds that they have that they can't really use for coffee because they're not the right grind. So we take those and we bury raw eggs in them. And because the eggs are porous, they absorb all the beautiful aromats from um, from the ground coffee and they that um, over time that sinks right through the protein and and sits sits within the egg yolk and it's just such an incredible flavor. It's, it's so aromatic and you get all those beautiful nuances of um, the lightly roasted coffees that goes all the way into the egg yolk. So then we pan fry that um, egg and that goes onto the coffee bacon that we do. Um, and the bacon is braised in a blend of maple syrup and um, the leftover coffee shots that come off the, when you do a double pour. So if there's any shots that come off the coffee when they're seasoning the, the machine in the morning, then we take all those shots and we blend that with, with maple and then we braise the, the coffee, the steak in that, the co- the, sorry, the bacon steak in that coffee maple syrup mix and then that gets pan fried and that goes on a dish so it's pretty delicious it's so it must be so energizing to work like this I'm just wondering you know I I suppose a lot of kitchens would say they try to minimize waste but you are doing zero waste as first principle how differently do you go about constructing a menu or dishes when that's the first thing you think about um I like to sort of think about flavours and textures when I'm building a menu. So it's not for me just about the ingredient itself. It's more about the way that it works from an eating perspective. So like I want to think about the colour, I want to think about the texture, I want to think about like the mouthfeel and all of those elements before I think about what ingredients work. So it's kind of like what what does it look like, how does it feel, so like, from all of those angles rather than just from a visual perspective or a flavour perspective. Obviously, those things are super important as well, but I feel like they're the first things that people think about and I like to do things a little bit differently. So, um, for me, it's just um, – it's a super creative way to work, I guess. It's it's kind of like – it's an all-encompassing feel of what the customer is going to experience rather than just looking at it from – a visual perspective so we think about all angles um, and that kind of helps 
us to be extra creative in the way that we put things together as well. So we might use the one ingredient three or four times on a plate, but it's all different textures. So it makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, that's, that is that is so cool. And, I mean, cassettes setting is very much part of what makes it what it is. So it's in this building uh, by a developer's called Assemble. Can you tell us a bit about the setting? Um, really, I'm only, <laughs> I can only talk to the food perspective because that's, that's my jam. Um, I Assemble the community itself is, is a beautiful thing. It's, um, the, the, res- the building has a residential element to it. Um, which, and the residents are obviously um, some of our biggest customers. They absolutely love what we do. And I spend a lot of time chatting over the past to them and, and sort of creating a sense of community with them and um, engaging with them about what, what's in their fridges and how they can use it and, you know, what, what are the specials and why are they on and what are the seasons for different vegetables and things like that that people get super excited about. So... It's, I guess it's just another layer of interaction with the community that we get to have, which is the fun bit for me as well. It's like helping to educate people on simple things like how to narrow your food waste around certain things that you might be growing and not using a lot of or you've got, you know, things sitting in the bottom of the fridge that you're not sure how to use. I'm like, turn it into a fritter or like, why don't you ferment it? And they like, how do I do that? So we have a bit of a chat over the past and, um, and yeah, it's it's a good little education piece. It's it's small, but every, every, I feel like every person who doesn't waste a little bit of food is someone who's um, making a difference. So it helps in the end goal, really. Yeah, I love that. Well, from what I learned about Assemble from having visited Cassette, it's um, so they're property developers, but they've got a real ethical underpinning. So it's. Um, carbon neutral in operation so so net zero from <clears throat> week to week and year to year it's a seven-story building it's about 70 different residences there and they're offered on a rent to buy basis so it's trying to create an affordable path to home ownership for people and I mean I just love that there's there's green power there's a shared composter there's a dog washing station and I feel like all those little touches are so aligned with what you're doing in the cafe it just feels like the energy that's put into each of those different elements, I mean, it just feels like it's going to be this little web of goodness. Yeah, I mean, the way that we've designed the food offering is based around that same ethos that we share with the Assemble group. Um, So by default, I guess we have had to fit into that mould, but that's also the way I like to work in general. So it, it was a good fit from start, from the start, which is awesome. Mm. And so, Laura, I'd love to learn a bit more about you. Um, when we chatted, I wrote a review of Cassette and um, when we chatted, you, you sort of spoke about this, you've sort of reframed your upbringing. You used to think of it in one way, but now you think of it in another. I'd love you to talk about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in a very small country town um, in the north, in North Queensland um, called Karoi or near Noosa. And I am from a very Anglo family and and sort of felt like I had a very um, straight white upbringing that was pretty neutral in terms of culture. Um, But I guess as I've gotten older, I've learned that actually the way that I grew up was pretty special, like um, going fishing and hunting and and crabbing with my dad and, and going prawning in the river and... Um, and growing vegetables with my mom and um, 
really doing things from a very nose to tail perspective um, was actually it's not it's actually some a way that not a lot of people have grown up these days. So um, I got exposure to a lot of really um, amazing produce and the most incredible seafood. I used to go deep sea fishing with my dad, and we'd we'd catch lots of amazing reef fish and 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 lots of beautiful like spanner crabs and things like that. So I kind of grew up with all of that freshness and that amazing food. And I think as I've grown up in the industry, I've kind of recognized actually how special the upbringing I had was. Like I I might not have had like the tomato days that the Italians have or making sausages or, you know, doing special octopus on the barbecue. But like I had this whole other side of my upbringing that not everyone gets, um, which was, which has actually become pretty exciting to me as an adult. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, I mean, when you went into cooking professionally, did you feel that that was quite, was that quite jarring for you given your upbringing around food? Um, I always just really loved food. So I didn't care what I was doing as long as it was related to food. So I was happy um, cooking anything. But I think when I found my niche was working for um, for Bistro Moncur in Sydney was when I where I did most of my apprenticeship in the end. And um, I think it, I think ultimately I was seeking culture, and I really found um, a really beautiful home within that community that I was working with. And I think I tried to immerse myself a lot in that because it was French and it was really different than what I knew from a food perspective. Um, and I just really like wanted to have something different in my life. And I thought, oh, this is the, this is what I needed. Like I needed something that was really like culturally deep and, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was very, I guess, a romantic idea of what the culture of food is when you come from a very white Australian background, like that sort of depth of culture that comes from, you know, Europe and around the place that that people have those really steeped in traditions and stuff. We're so young as a country, we don't have as many of those things. And I mean, what about, you know, if your mum was growing veggies and you were hunting and fishing with your dad? I mean, I imagine that there was a real value placed on the produce that was grown or, or sourced. Did you find that as you worked in professional kitchens that that it's sort of that the the food waste that has been such a part of kitchens, um, did that rub you up the wrong way? Um, yeah, I think probably not as much when I first started in kitchens because I think I was still a bit naive around um, the cost of things and about the volume of things. And I, I, it's more so as I grew up as a chef and moved into more managerial roles that I started to learn and understand the difference between buying food from a wholesaler and growing and, and shooting and fishing that, that was where it really started to polarise me because I started to really understand the true facts or the true logistics behind buying food and working with budgets and having to make menus work from a cost perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's when I started to, to sort of really start to appreciate the value of, of food then. Um, so, yeah, it's really been in the last sort of 10, 15 years where I've gone, oh, actually, like, there is so much waste happening and, like, it was always upsetting to see food go in the bin, but I think the real true value of it has has really started to hit home in the last sort of 15 years where I've gone, oh, actually, like, this is, this is crazy. Why are we wasting all of this? Like, 
yeah, so it's it's it took a little while to sink in. I think there was a bit a bit of sort of naivety from a childhood perspective, and and you know, and then actually having to learn how to pay for things, and budget for things, and make things work. It's yeah, it was a bit of growing up thing. I think. Laura, you mentioned about you know immersing yourself in different cultures. Can you talk about some of the ways you've done that on your travels? Yeah, I, I spent four years working in London, so I did a bit of travelling around Europe, um, which was obviously super exciting as a young chef. Um, but again, like it was so hard and fast, and I and I didn't truly appreciate the cultural aspect of what I was doing when I was travelling until um, I spent a lot of time in India. Um, with a few friends of mine and, and we spent a lot of time sort of travelling from Mumbai um, down the West Coast on trains and buses and sometimes boats um, and we would just hop on random trains travelling in the direction that we wanted to go and we would ch- get to chatting to people on the train because we were, were obviously very different looking to the locals. Um, so we'd travel in the cheapest class possible and just sit there and chat to people and they would often want to share food with us or we would share something that we had bought and then we would start talking and then they would be like, my auntie makes the best this or my mum makes the best that or my dad makes the best this, you have to come and try it. And so we would get off the train and then go and hang out with them for a few days and learn all of the things from the families and then (laughs) jump on the next train going in the right direction and, um, and spend another few days doing that again in the next stop and so it took us a few sort of a few weeks to get from place to place but we had so much fun doing it it was great and we learned an incredible amount and spent a lot of time with really humble exciting people um I think you just don't you just don't get that kind of experience by like traveling and staying in hotels and and you know eating in restaurants I think it's just it's so important to really immerse yourself in that experience if you want to learn um don't get me wrong, I think you can learn a lot from eating in nice restaurants too, but I think that that sort of immersion in the cultural sort of society is really interesting. Amazing. So from those experiences in India, are there any, like the use of ingredients or any dishes or techniques that really stand out for you? Uh, there's a lot, a lot to do with the way that spices are used and um, uh, like how coming from a traditional French sort of kitchen background I really wasn't very interested in Indian food or spices and stuff until I started cooking it and then I started to understand it and then once I understand it I was intrigued by it and then I wanted to push the boundaries of what I knew so by traveling to India and spending time there learning and pursuing sort of knowledge and um, the cultural immersion side of things, I really started to understand why certain things go with certain things, like the Ayurvedic way of eating. So you have to eat in a certain order, certain things in a certain order, that, that and, like, there's a reason for it. So, like, you know, eating things that help with digestion before and after, you eat them in a specific order so that they help um, you process the food, and I just found that really fascinating. So... Um, from an interest perspective, learning how to cook spices is has cook with spices. Sorry, has been one of the most interesting things I guess I've taken away from that because once you learn how to do that in one cuisine, you can really translate that sort of methodology across the board, um, and your flavor bible in your mind starts to really open up and expand, which is which is really exciting for me. 
Oh, that's so cool. So can you point to any dishes at Cassette that that, that experience or those, yeah, that sort of knowledge has fed into? I think it just sort of bleeds into everything that you do because um, in terms of the way that you pair flavours together or the way that you sort of think about putting textures on a plate, it all translates and sort of wafts into one another. I guess it's like merging clouds, you know, like those, those ideas, they just kind of blend into each other. They don't really have a boundary. Um, for one another but I think important as well is to learning how to balance food with the sweet and the bitter and the sour and the and the um, salty it's it's a really interesting way of cooking when you start to learn how to do that with spices too so um, that was a big part of of learning balance as well for me those travels. Um, I reckon I'm gonna pin on you uh, the title of one of the chefs who really turned the Australian brunch scene its menus the food we were eating in cafes from something that was just a little bit a little bit standard a little bit eggs and extras into something that was really very interesting and you know we see now you know uh, highly trained chefs who are working in cafes and doing some of you know our country's most interesting and enjoyable food I mean what's your perspective on the way that the brunch scene has changed um, that's a very generous pin. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think I was just one of a, one of a group of young chefs who were just so keen to do something different. Um, and I, I guess we're sort of the transitional generation where we went from everyone had to work, you know, 100 hours a week in, in really heavy, hardcore restaurants to actually do good food and, and be respected. Um, in the industry and I think that our generation was the turning point from that into we want something more sustainable, we want something where we can actually see our friends and live life and be, um, you know, have a, have good mental health and have a bit more respect for ourselves and um, I think that we were part of that generation, that sort of shift and we took um, what we were doing in restaurants and we picked it up and we put it in the cafe setting that was like our coffee scene was already like kicking goals all around the world, like opening this cafes opening in New York and London. They all wanted to follow what we're doing from a coffee perspective. And I think that the chefs, our generation of chefs or that generation of chefs really just took that and ran with it and they were like, well, if you care so much about coffee and you want to do such good things with coffee, then certainly you need to do such good things with food and let's like work out a way of putting the two together. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess that's the sort of, that's when the cafe scene started really kicking off. And it was like, I think it was 2010. Yeah. 2010 or around then is like this, we started to see this real big surge of like, of just epic coffee joints popping up with like great roasteries and fantastic restaurant quality food. And, and then I think the progression from there has just kept, has kept climbing. And, um, and now we get to see some seriously good food happening in cafes, which is so nice. Yeah, it's so exciting. So you were head chef of the Code Black Group, which was certainly one of those original like boundary pushing cafes in terms of its approach to food and, and also coffee, of course. But um, tell us if if um, anyone's thinking of coming to Cassette, and I'm sure they are, what would you like them to see on the menu? What, what do you reckon they should order? 
Oh, there's a few highlights that are really like, there's a couple of things that are like just so cult fan favourites at the moment that we just can't take off, which is so lovely to watch like people enjoy every week. Um, the Roshdi is definitely one of those. One of those. Um, the maple bacon, it, it's an evolutionary dish, which um, that sort of changes with the seasons, the garnishes, but the egg and the bacon is always the same. Um, uh, the kimchi oyster mushroom omelette is another good one. And one of my new favourites, or there's two actually, one is a loaded hummus dish, which is um, it's a bit unassuming, but it's just like it's a massive favourite amongst the staff and, and everyone who eats it is just like, yes, that was ridiculous, which is fun. Um, and the corn donuts. Uh, I really like the corn donuts with the, um, the cured trout. Um, cold smoked potato mousse like that that's for me is just a it's a supremely delicious dish it's very simple to look at it's quite elegant um to look at but it's yeah it just packs a punch in terms of flavor so yeah it's good Yum. Well, I had some of those and yeah, the hummus was super delicious. I am obsessed with hummus. Great texture through that dish, which I really appreciated. Um, so I think brunch is one of those dishes, you know, people, they sort of know what they want. They come for it. They need to see it on the menu. But when you're cooking so seasonally and responsively, how do you sort of balance that out with, you know, those having those, those favourites, but also, um, yeah, just working in with nature? Um, there's a few ways to do it. Like we have quite a we have a hyper seasonal special menu. So like from week to week, that menu can change to whatever's in season or not in season. It can come on and off rapidly, which is the best way to work in my eyes. But from a customer perspective, they want a list of dishes that are pretty staple and familiar and um, easy go-to foods. So we've got um, a few of those items and we try and keep a couple of dishes that are just um, really you, you like pedestrian favourites um, that keeps people happy on a daily basis. We have sandwiches Monday to Friday, which which are really delicious bread, so that, that keeps people happy. Um but in terms of the other seasonal sort of aspects of the dishes, we use a mix of seasonal greens, so we don't specify the greens. We just work with what's in the market that week. Um, and then we're changing the menu like every sort of eight weeks. So there's like there's a good chance that we're going to catch each part of the season at the right time. So that's kind of our process for that at the moment. So good. So, Laura, I mean, overall, what do you love about what you're doing at the moment? Oh, what's not to love? <laughs> um, I just love coming to work every day and getting to have a look at the progress of the ferments or, like, have a look at, like, you know, how something's turned out from the day before or, you know, what are we going to do on the specials this weekend? It's just like every day is a new adventure and it's just so much fun. Like, I love it. I get to hang out with the coolest people every day and cook really great food and, and everyone like everyone comes to the pass and they have a good time. So, um, you know, I, lo I love chatting to people over the pass and like talking to my suppliers and figuring out what's happening this week and next week and it's so refreshing to work in a space where you get to do just like just get to come to work and play every day. That does sound good. What is not to love indeed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's, it's, it's a truly special place. 
Well, you make it special. Um, Laura, it's been such a pleasure to have a chat to you. I'm sure this is going to be a really inspiring chat for everybody that listens. Um, Thank you so much for sharing with us today on Dirty Linen. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. And and I really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and have a chat and, um, and to talk about the good things that we all love. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.